The Inside Track on Real Estate with Ken and Yetta Decker of the Decker Team. Get the Inside Track. Everything you need to know about buying and selling in the greater Ottawa area. The Inside Track on Real Estate with the Decker Team. Moving forward with the Decker Team. Moving forward together with the Decker Team. What do you think would happen if your family was super close after summer vacation ended? Hello, this is Yetta Decker. And I'm Leah Dixon. And we welcome you to another episode of the Inside Track, where we share thoughts, tools, and techniques that we all need, we all deserve, you, I, everyone, to make our family thrive and our house home and to really live the best life possible. So family closest after summer vacation is really part of making a house, a home, that family intimacy, that closeness within the house, without it, we got nothing, like nothing. And so we want to really look at on this episode, how do we plan for to continue to keep our family close, even though we're not just hanging out together anymore, we're back into day to day. So that's what we're going to learn about today. So what is, we're going to talk, I think, about three specific areas of how to do that. What's number one, Leah? Planning. So it's so important to plan activities with the family. It's really nice to say, hey, I'd like to do this special activity with my family once a week. So by doing that, it's going to help us build better relationships, make us closer together. And keep us connected. And keep us connected. Mm -hmm. And that's great. That's a great place to start. But what happens if you just say, I'm going to do that on a weekly basis, and you don't specifically plan it, it tends to go to the wayside. So you can have great intentions, but unless you actually plan a specific activity and follow through, it's not likely going to happen. Right. So so what you're really saying, Leah, is not only do we want to plan it, we want to schedule it. Absolutely. And we want to be specific about what it is when it is, and make sure it's in either the big family planning calendar, if you use those, or in the electronic calendar. Yes. And then is it kind of important that everybody in the family thinks it's a pretty awesome activity? (laughs) Absolutely. You want to choose something that everybody enjoys and everybody's on board with Mm -hmm. and make sure that they all know. They all know it's coming. They all know it's scheduled in the calendar and it's given the same importance as any other Thing that you would put in your calendar, a doctor's appointment. You're not going to miss a doctor's appointment. Not often. Well, unless there's emergencies right. or something right. else that comes up, and that would apply to anything. But unless something urgent comes mm. up, follow through. It's it's given the same priority as everything else in your calendar. Because on, when we're on vacation and we've just had a great summer, we're into September now, the school activities have started. There's so many things vying for our attention. Whereas when we're on family vacation, we maybe don't have to plan quite as much because we just have more proximity. Exactly. More time together. So it's easier to make it happen. Everybody is so incredibly busy these days. And when you have a young family, especially trying to find time to do these things is very challenging. Mm -hmm. And so by having it at a set time every week or every day, depending on the activity, then that's a great way to ensure follow through. And it'll draw you together. Yeah, It just can't help but do it. Exactly. And then another one, which I find fascinating, is going to bed at the same 
time. I loved bedtimes when my children were young. It was my favorite time of day because it is a perfect time to connect. So yes, I mean, sure, people tend to want to stay up a bit later than their kids. Yeah, yeah. But a bedtime was a ritual and it was a ritual I loved and my kids loved. It was an activity. I mean, bedtime for children oftentimes is a negative thing. They don't want to go to bed. They don't want to day we down. adults are going, yeah, it's, it's, when it's can great. I get exactly. <laughs> but when you make it a nice fun ritual, one that they're comfortable with, it, it makes it a more positive experience for them. So what would be some ideas of a family ritual at bedtime? Maybe somebody's listening and going, well, my kids are getting a little older now. It's not story time. It's not prayer time anymore. They're a little bit bigger. And so they don't want me to read them a story anymore. My favorite question at bedtime was, what was your favorite part of the day? Mm. And that is appropriate for any age, even as my children got older and they didn't want to hear bedtime stories anymore, I could still lie down with them and say, tell me about your favorite part of the day. Mm -hmm. And it ends the day on a positive note. They start looking for things throughout the day mm -hmm. that they can tell me at the end of the day. So they're focusing on the positive and it ends the day on a positive note. And it was just my favorite time of day. And it ends the day connected to you. Absolutely. Because we're talking about family closeness, right? Yeah. So they're connected to you, and we would often do it with our kids together. We wouldn't necessarily be in the same bed, but we might be sitting around the table still. It's bedtime, but we're not in bed yet, and then hear each other's stories. Yes. Yes, it's, it's a great time for connection. The day's winding down. It's quiet. It's a perfect time to connect. And then when there's no longer kids at home. What Ken and I have found is to continue that ritual with us. We have met with lots of families over the years, and one goes to bed really early, one goes to bed really late, and even within a couple, that creates distance. Whereas if we have a similar bedtime and we're engaging in great conversation, that actually allows the connection to continue because staying close within the family isn't just about kids. Right. It's about the, the couple. It's about the adults in the house. So those same things, I don't think Ken wants me to read them bedtime stories, <laughs> well, once in a while, but not too often. Um, it's still really important that we have a similar bedtime. I know the nights that we don't go to bed at the same time, things are a little more disruptive. Right. There's a, if we do that too many days in a row, there's a disconnect that starts to happen. Yes. And number three, this one scares me. How so? Because it has really, it's so difficult to navigate in our current culture. And that is to put the technology down. Right. To get the technology out of our hands. Because the technology is not drawing us closer together with our family. Absolutely not. I'll find oftentimes my children will text me from across the room. <laughs> That's not a great way to connect. It really is not. And and especially young people today and, and adults as well. I mean, we've got sucked in. Oh, absolutely. Like hook, line, and sinker. Everybody is so connected mm -hmm. to their phone, especially the yeah. phone, laptops, the computers, iPads, whatever it is. Everybody is so attached to them. 
And we need more verbal communications. It's so much easier to connect on a one-on-one basis with somebody rather than connecting through social media. It has its place. It does. However, on a day-to-day interaction with different people, it's so important to have that connection. It is. And they've got studies now, and they've done quite a few of them now, that shows that the smaller device, the smaller the device, the more they suck us in and we get absorbed into that world. So phones are more dangerous than a desktop. That makes a lot of sense. Which is kind of mind-blowing. Well, the phones are are carried with us all of the time. They are, and and because they're small, we get like hyper-focused. So time disappears. You know, it's fascinating to me that Albert Einstein, he said in the 19... 40s or 50s, I don't know the exact year of the quote, that it was appalling that our culture, our hum- our technology had surpassed our humanity. If that was 1950s, what's going on today? So we're just so grateful that we get your get to be your partners in growing wealth through real estate and through life. What do you think the benefit would be if you understood the love language of those closest to you? We've created for you free access to over 367 inside track episodes on real estate, where we explore market trends, insights, growing wealth through real estate, how to make a house a home, and how to thrive in general so that we really get to make the most out of our lives. So whether we're on the whether you're at home or at the office or on the go, you've got access to what you need when you need it. And so Leah, 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 Leah. Mostly love languages. How does that work? Well I think for the most part we tend to um, show others affection in the way that we want it shown to us. So we all have our own unique love languages, the way that we feel loved. Most, most right? Most feel loved, yes. Yeah. And I think our tendency is to use that love language and apply it to others. But that's not always the case because that's not always how they receive love. Mm-hmm. So in today's episode, we're going to learn what the five basic core love languages are, and recognizing that we all have, there's dialects within each of them, there's nuances within each of them, and most of us have one, two, maybe three that resonate deeper with us, and then the other two, three, four, maybe don't resonate quite as deeply with us. Is that? So, as we look at them, What we hope will happen through the show is you'll recognize your own, recognize your primary one or two love languages, and then start to think about what are the love languages of those in your life? Because it will create a closeness that you never could imagine as soon as you start speaking theirs. And at work, it works exactly the same way. At the office, if I'm speaking my language to you all day long, every day, because my primary, I have two, and it would be quality time and acts of service. And you know yours? Mine are the same. So that works. That works good. Now, in my family, Ken's primary is touch. So if I'm busy doing things for him, 
and I'm busy showing that I care for him because we're hanging out together, it's not speaking boldly to him. Right. So the five, we've kind of been dancing around them, but I'm going to explain them in a way that I hope they will stay with you. So I love hanging out with you on the radio show. I love that we get to connect every single week and even more often on the episodes of the Inside Track. We get to hear each other's hearts because you provide questions and insight and quotes and feedback. And then we get to answer that those things and then just have a dialogue on air. So that to me is all about quality time. There's a sense of quality because you're giving me input and feedback. And so even when we're not sitting together in the same place, there is still a sense of I've got time with you. And then when we get to record a show, Leah, now this is quality time. Yes, yes it is. We're having fun. We're hanging out. We're, you know, we do a bit of rehearsal before the show. We script it. Well, script it. We get a sense of where we're going with it, what's important to us, what we want the person listening and watching, what we want them to take away. So it's all about our quality time mm -hmm. and then translating that also to time with those listening. Yeah. And so that's one quality time. Then there is touch. And touch for a lot of people, if it's their primary love language and they're deprived of touch, it will actually rob them of joy. Mm -hmm. And just something so simple as a rub on the shoulder for somebody whose primary love language is touch, or it's in the top few, is incredibly meaningful. Right. right? We've talked on other episodes about hugs and how, you know, if we don't get at least 13 hugs a day, and for a hug to be really medicinally or medically beneficial, it needs to be 20 seconds long, we start to get weird. That's a lot of hugs. It's a lot of hugs. And you give great <laughs> hugs, by the way. I love hugs. I know you do. So touch is up there. And if somebody isn't as heavy on touch, they still require some touch. It's not to say that we don't want nothing of the things that aren't our primary. It's just we want heavier doses of those things that are really important to us. So another one, gifts. When someone gets a gift that they, and they're all about gifts, does it even have to be a well-selected gift? I would think not. It really doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. Like, it's just the idea of you love me enough to gift me with something. Now, it's not that they don't love that you also give a meaningful gift that really impacts them. It's just the idea of getting a gift is more important. For Candace one year, because Candace's primary love language is gifts, and she was feeling, I think, a little unloved maybe by her mama because I hadn't been doing enough gift giving. So I actually went out and bought, well, she wasn't turning that old, so it had nothing to do with her age, but I think I bought 47 gifts. Wow. And I individually wrapped them all in her favorite colors, and I individually wrote a note to go with every single one of them. And she could open one a day for basically, it took her over two months. I'm guessing she felt quite loved. Exactly. Whereas if I had done that for someone else, that that wasn't the primary language, they would have thought that was cute and fun and nice, but it really wouldn't have deeply resonated with their spirit. And then the other one is words of affirmation. Somebody that thrives in words of affirmation, they don't get them regularly, it actually depletes them. 
And not that we don't all appreciate words of encouragement and affirmation, and yet if it's our primary love language, we need to step it up. And then last but not least is um, we've got time, acts of service. I'm, I, because I did a couple of them a couple of times, I'm trying to think now. Acts of service I haven't gone back to. Right. So acts of service, because it's in the top two of, for both of us, that's people doing nice things for us. So what do you love to have done for you? Oh, I love to have my hair brushed. <laughs> I know that one. That's an act of service. It also involves touch. <laughs> That's a big one for me, though. Uh-huh. That actually makes me feel very loved. I, and people playing with my hair, like my friend Yetta. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then things like doing dishes for me. Oh, yes. Yeah, and I would if, love that. <laughs> right. If Ken does the dishes... It's good. He'll usually leave them drying on the counter so that I can give him words of affirmation to acknowledge that he did the dishes. Right. But what would and what would have made me really happy is that the dishes were dried and put away, and then he would miss his gift of words of affirmation. How fun is that? That's awesome that you can fit them both in there in one activity. Somehow, right? <laughs> so no matter. No matter like what your living circumstances are or whether you live alone or whether you have a house full of people, if you can express love to those that you're closest with through the love language that really means something to them or the ones that mean something to them, it will make a difference on your intimacy and your closeness. Absolutely. I don't see how it couldn't. Right. It just does. So... We're going to encourage you to not only identify your own, we're going to encourage you to identify the love language of those that you spend the most time with. And it would even be fun if you would email them or post them on our social media and connect around that. So thanks for growing alongside the Decker team. We are passionate about helping families thrive in life, both at home and in business. Would you agree with me? Scheduling family activity and family closeness on purpose kind of like feels like it's taken something away. Well, welcome to the Inside Track, where for over 30 years, we've been helping people not only selling and buying and investing real estate, really helping people live a life on purpose with intention where they are thriving and having the best life possible and and flourishing. So the families flourish. And that's what it is all about for over 30 years, which kind of makes me happy, really happy. And so today we want to look at scheduling. Scheduling as a first key to creating close family relationships. Because today, families and life, it's everything is moving at the speed of life. Like it's and the speed of life has picked up momentum. It's like it is a ball a snowball rolling down a hill, and the bigger it gets, the faster it gets. And our lives seem to have gotten crazy big. Oh, absolutely. And crazy out of control. So how do we slow down that snowball or maybe not let it get so big so it doesn't pick up so much speed? What are some of those keys and steps we can ultimately do? And that's what we're going to learn today on the show, on this episode, so that we can continue to create, develop, and nurture those relationships within our family, whether we're a couple or whether we have visitors that are our family, cousins and nieces and nephews, or because we live alone, or whether we're a big, big family. Right. I think rituals are a big part 
morning well. rituals as yes. well, right? Like yes, start already, the day. Right. We've already talked about the evening rituals, but the morning sort of sets the tone for the day as well. So I think morning rituals are really, really important. And what's an example of a morning ritual so that someone listening or watching kind of gets a sense of morning ritual? That sounds like, like a big word. Well, I think it depends on the family and the sorts of things that you enjoy as well. Some people start the day with prayer. Yeah. Some people start the day with uh, words of gratitude. Um, just something that you can do together to set a positive note for the day. To get you moving in the right direction. Right. Right. So it's not only to have a morning ritual, it's to have a morning ritual that moves us forward in an optimistic, upbeat way exactly. so that we can handle the challenges that come toward us through the day. Exactly. Excellent. And another, what would be another great thing that we could do to foster intimacy within the family? Well, I think getting them all involved. If you want to find activities that everybody is going to enjoy doing, find out what it is exactly that they would enjoy doing. What would bring them joy? What would be your best day? What sort of activities could we do together as a family that would make you happy? Right. And then plan those. So plan those as well, right? Bigger things. And I know as grandparents, we've often asked the grandkids, well, we did it when our kids were little, but now that we don't have little kids anymore, we're going on to the next generation. It's like, what would your best day ever be with us? And one of them said, eat all the ribs I can. So then we <laughs> go out for an all-you-can-eat rib fest. Another one, it's just to spend the day at a water park. For every child, it's different. Another one, it's going to see animals and hang out at the African lion safari, that kind of thing. So each of them want very different things as best days. Another one is just all about ice cream. Right? <laughs> and it's all okay. And if we don't ask the question, my best day may not be your best day. Right. Our family is very focused on food. We love our food. And one of the things that my children enjoyed, other than eating specific foods, was making food. Mm. So it was great. Each child would have one day a week where they picked what we were having for dinner, yeah. and they helped prepare it. So it was done on an individual basis. Rather than for that activity have the whole family, it was a way to connect with that one individual child and do that activity and then bring the whole family together to enjoy it afterwards. Meal times. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. The yes. Do meal times even exist in Canada today? I Where families sit together? <laughs> I would hope so. Maybe not on a daily basis because everybody is so incredibly busy. But that's one of those things that I think is so important to schedule in. Yeah. Schedule dinner time with your family. And not around the TV. Oh, not no, on a TV no, no, tray. no. Dis and no phones. No distractions. Get rid of technology. That's the time to connect. You can't connect with a phone in front of your face. Not well. Not well. No. And so asking amazing questions has been something we've done over the years. It's what's your greatest fear? So at this particular mealtime, all we're going to do is all share our greatest fear. Another time is what was your greatest failure today? When did you fall flat on your face today? And at first, it sounds like a really icky question. And yet, failure is a part of life. 
And it's all how you frame the question as well and, and how you discuss it afterwards. Right. Failure is not a bad thing. Failure is a fantastic yes. thing because it meant you tried for something. If you didn't make it onto the drama team or you didn't make it into Canterbury High School because you didn't pass the audition, well, that's fantastic because you could have sat home and not played as well as you could have and not learned what it takes. And now next time you're prepared, whereas you weren't this time. Most of our growth and learning comes from failure. It does. So like, let's go for it. And let's go for it big. Let's fail often. Yes. And fail fast. And celebrate failure. Oh, absolutely celebrate it. Yes. Yeah. You're celebrating the, the learning and the growth that comes of it. Yeah. And the, you, the effort you put into trying. Yes. Even if you didn't succeed. And another great family thing to do is give back together. Oh, that is a great one. Yes. When you can give to others as a family, I think that also draws you much closer together. Yeah. Absolutely. I know when our family, and this was when our kids were teenagers, they decided to shave their heads for cancer fundraiser because our little neighbor was sick. And so out of compassion, they wanted to shave their heads when he was losing his hair. And it grew and it grew and it grew till there were 97 people involved in their head shaving and hair cutting off. And Ken and I ended up doing it with them. That was probably one of the biggest single life changing activities for all of us individually and collectively. And you don't have to do something that big necessarily. And yet a shared outrageous activity can be a game changer. It's, and it's the little things day after day after day. And praise with courage. This one is actually kind of scary. And we've used this tool, I'm going to call it, or this way of being, both at birthday parties, where we speak into the life of the person that's having a birthday and tell them all the great things and or write it in a journal and or write it in a card. And so everybody comes prepared to share something wonderful about the person which is kind of cool. What a wonderful idea. Yeah, it's so neat. It's a little uncomfortable when you're the center of attention. Yes, I would, I would think. Because we're, we're used to getting criticism more than we are encouragement and support and praise, right? But if that's your love language, think of how powerful that would be. <sighs> Life-changing, right? And something we've done a few times with our team and with our family is have the person, and this one like, takes courage because you're praising big time. You put the person that is on the seat of blessing or the hot seat, depending on how you want to say it, in the middle of the room on a chair and all the other chairs go around them and you sit facing them. The person in the middle, this isn't necessarily birthday activity because they wouldn't like this on their birthday. Um, they're going to share the value they bring to the family or to the team. And then each person on the other side of the circle speaks in to that person. If you have never tried that experience, I encourage you to step in and challenge yourself and challenge your family or your team. It is a life game changer and an intimacy builder like nothing I've ever seen. So we're excited to be your partners in moving forward together because together we've got this. Moving forward with the Decker team. Moving forward with the